And so last week we started just to, it looks like it's going to be two talks on pressure and purpose. Because I know nobody in here is under any pressure. And so maybe this, this, this doesn't apply to you. But if you've been under some pressure, then this series or this, these, these couple of talks are for you. And I'm finding, and last week we covered um, James 1. We're going to go right back to that, those couple of verses in the beginning of James. But it's one of those verses that I don't really like. <laughs> um, you know, it just, it just it, you, it doesn't make sense when you first read it because he tells you to be happy when you get in trouble. And growing up, right, you know, the one thing you didn't want to be was in trouble. I mean, so we're, we're taught to stay out of trouble, but James is saying when you get in trouble, you should be happy because it's the, it's the pressure, it's the trouble that, that refines our faith. The way that James says it is it, it forces our faith life out into the open. And that's what we really want. And I'm, I'm noticing in my life a lot of times that when the pressure is turned up, it's often because God has got some purpose on the other side of it. And the greater the pressure, the greater the purpose on the other side. And I want to read it again. I want to read the same few verses in James 1. I'm going to read it in a different translation this morning. This is James 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, King James, y'all. My brethren. That's, this is how I learned the Bible was King James. It's poetic. It's easier to memorize, I think, because it, it just flows. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That means you've got trouble on every side, many trials, lots of pressure. He says, if that's you... If you say, I got pressure on the job and pressure at home and pressure at work and pressure at everywhere else, I, I just got it. Well, he's saying you should smile because this is why. The trying of your faith, this pressure that, that God has turned up in our lives or maybe your life, is for one reason. It's to work patience. It's to bring forth this patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you can be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I'll leave that verse up there. How many of you want to be perfect and entire, lacking nothing? Come on now, that's everybody. That means I'm, I'm living in my purpose. I'm perfect, I'm entire, I'm complete, and I don't need anything from anybody. That sounds like pretty good to me. And, but James says there's a trade-off here. If you want to be whole and complete and, and lacking nothing in your faith, you have to be willing to go through some pressure. You have to be willing to go through some things in your life that maybe you don't understand, and, and, and if you could get out of it, you would. You didn't pray for it. You didn't ask for it. It just knocked on your door and showed up. And he, I, like, I wanted to use this version because the, the King James translation, there's many different words for that one word, patience. But I like that word. Because really, James gives, he kind of gives the solution to us in that word. He says, if you've got pressure in your life that you can't quite give a purpose to, another P word, what you really need is patience. You've got to be willing to wait. You've got to be willing to, he says, let patience have, he, he, have her perfect work. It means that you can't get out of it prematurely. You know, you can't try to struggle your way out of it. That there's things in life that are going to require patience. And nobody likes to wait. Come on, right? Nobody likes to wait. 
I don't like to wait on a package, right? That's why we got that prime check mark. We want it, we want it the next day. We don't like to wait on our food. I don't even want to stop at the first window. I want to go straight to the second window. I want to order it. I want to go straight to the second window. I want to pay for it, and I want to get my food like that. We don't want to wait for anything. Patience is, is a virtue, right? It's hard to come by. And it feels like time just literally stops when you're waiting. Have you noticed that? If you're waiting on a package that you really want, right, it's like the days just drag on and on and on and on and on. If you're waiting on an answer, waiting on that grade to come back, and you gave it your you gave it everything you had, and it's the final exam, and now the teacher or the, the professor is going to decide to take a few days off, and he'll post the exams later, right? It's when these waiting periods, we get anxious. I do. In the waiting room, there's a lot of pressure. But patience, I've heard, is the ability to idle your motor when you feel like stripping your gears. <laughs> it's the ability to put it in neutral when you want to throw it in like turbo so bad, hit the nitrous and hit the gas pedal. It's, it's the ability to wait, and it's hard to come by. Today's a special day. You know, it's the day of Pentecost. Now, that word's got a lot of different meanings, I think, to a lot of different people. But Pentecost actually just means 50th. And so Pentecost sets its calendar by Good Friday. And I think the three most important days in a Christian's life, especially in the church, if you're a Christian, it's going to be Good Friday, it's going to be Resurrection Sunday, and it's going to be 50 days after Good Friday, and it's going to be Pentecost Sunday today. And the word Pentecost just means 50th. And it was, it was the moment where God birthed his church. It was in the upper room. And in Acts chapter 2, we've read about the power that came and, and the unique experience that they all had. But I want you to notice something between these most important days. That between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, there's a long, silent Saturday. Come on. <laughs> When nobody knew what was going on. And everybody, I mean, the disciples had gone back. Peter went back fishing. They'd kind of given up. They thought, well, we had a good run. They had to wait. And then from Resurrection Sunday, Jesus is high-fiving. They see the nail-scarred hands. They know he's resurrected from that point until Pentecost. This was the last thing Jesus said. Luke 24, verse 49. He says, all right, I want you to... Do something. I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus is walking around after the resurrection. But I want you to tarry, King James again, <laughs> I want you to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're clothed, endued, transfused with power from heaven. That's awesome there, right? That sounds like a pretty incredible promise. But again, look at the key word. He doesn't say, I want you to go and pray in Jerusalem. I want you to go and start building the church in Jerusalem. Go meet with the city officials. Let them know, I came out of the grave like I said I would. I'm setting, this, I'm setting up shop now. I'm coming back again. Yeah, nobody knows the time. But I want you to go start. I want you to start networking with everybody in Jerusalem. Mm -mm. Go and establish a presence. I need, we need to go ahead and establish a presence in Jerusalem. Let everybody know what's about to happen. 
He says, I want you to tarry. I don't know who Terry is. Bring Terry with No. He said, I want you to wait. I want you to wait. And I'm finding now there's, 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 there's a lot of power in the waiting. Especially in a world where everything happens real quick and it moves real fast and we like things done quickly and in order. God is really, really good about saying, hey, this is where I want you to go and this is what I want you to do, but I'm not going to give you an appointed time and I'm not going to give you a detailed map. I'll give you the what, but I'm not going to give you the how. And it's these waiting periods that God asks us to, he, to, to wait. And, and so he did the same thing with the disciples. He says, I want you to go to the upper room. They didn't even know what they were waiting on, but they, they were waiting and I think some of the most powerful seasons of our lives, if we're willing to walk through them, are these in-between seasons when we're waiting. When we're waiting on either, you know, what's next, or, we're, or we don't know if we're in our purpose quite yet, but I, I feel like I, I, I've missed it, and I wanna, I'm ready to do something else, or we're waiting between uh, promises or jobs or careers. I, but, but it's in these middle places it's in these waiting periods where I think God prepares us the most. Tori does his best work. And it's, it's not fun, right? It's not something that we ask for or pray for. But there's, there's, there's patience in our life. When we're able to, to have patience, it pays. So I want to give you three principles around patience and waiting. And, and I think they weave together with today and the day of Pentecost. And I think the first one is this when it comes to patience. Realizing my purpose will always, always require patience. It's going to require patience. I remember coming right out of high school, 17 years old, just became a Christian. I kind of got in the game a little bit late. Just, just, and I decided, you know, I'm going to, I want to join the Coast Guard. I had everything lined up. had a ticket. I was going to Mobile for my physical. That was what I was planning on doing. Clearly, I didn't do that, right? You know, you know, I, you know some things happened, and, I, I, and, you know, as much as I thought that's what I was supposed to do with my life, there was a different plan. Went to college for a little bit, thought, I'm going to just be a meteorologist, study the weather all the time. I like to surf, kind of goes hand in hand. You know, I'll just try this out. Didn't work out. I mean, I think I switched majors like four times in two semesters. I didn't know what I, I was just kind of floating around. I didn't know... What I want, I mean, I had a lot of good ideas, but I couldn't quite reach it. And then I started working at Pepsi. Y'all know, you know that story. And, and, and this ministry thing began happening. But I, I just want you to hear, I, I didn't really have a clear sense of where I was heading. And I think that's okay in life. You know, a lot of times we feel like, like purpose needs to be strategic and exact. But sometimes God is saying, you know, you just got to trust me in the details. And when you're in between, you, you got you to trust God to know that, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. And so this will change sometimes, but it requires, always, always requires patience. And that's what James says. He says to perfect this, when you're going through a season where you're kind of in between, you got to let patience do her perfect worth, perfect work. And I love this because I, you know, I'm a, I, I seem to be at times more of a driven person. I like to get things done, and, and I just want to set a goal, and I want to get there quick. And I think some people are like that, and some people aren't. 
But what I like about this principle and what I like about even today that we're in James and how he says patience is so critical is that I really believe there's things in our life that we can't work for. And I know that's hard, that's hard to digest, especially if you're a worker and you're a go-getter and, and I've worked for everything I got. And I agree with, I mean, I, I think there's a truth side to that. But I also think that, think that there's things that God has for all of us that he says you can't work your way to it. You got to be willing to wait. And I'm not saying, I think hard work, I think we should be some of the hardest workers on the planet. If you're a Christian, Paul said, do all things as unto the Lord. Like, we should be hard workers, we should work, like, we should go above and beyond. I think that, I'm not saying that, there, that you should not work, but I am saying there are things that heaven has for you that you're not going to be able to work your way to. You're going to have to wait for it. And that could be a spouse. That could be a calling or that purpose that you don't know quite what it is yet. Could be the next step in your life that you've been praying for and asking for and you've set goals and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried. Sometimes, sometimes we can work, 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 work. But God says there's certain things that I'm going to give you that working's not going to give you access to it. You've got to be willing to wait. And so there's a combination here. We work for things. We wait for some things. John Maxwell says it like this. You work for opportunities. You wait for experiences. There's truth to that. You work for opportunities. You go to school. You work. You do good, right? You, you have an option. You know where you're heading. You work for that opportunity for when it comes and that job offer or whatever. But to get the experience, you can't make somebody take a chance on you. You can't make, I mean, I guess if you have enough money, you can, right? Or you know the right people, or I, I, don't, I don't know. But, but there's some things in life that you're only going to get in the waiting room. In the, in, the, in the times where you say, okay, I've worked as hard as I can work on this. I, 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 I'm going to wait. I'm going to give it some time. And that's hard to do, especially when you're under pressure. Especially when you've got people looking over your shoulder and, and maybe you've made promises or maybe you've made commitments and things get moved around and, and it's a real frustrating thing to work yourself as hard as you can work and it feels like nothing's happening. I think there's a key to this. There's a, I think it's the way God set up the world. God didn't need to rest on the seventh day. He didn't have to wait for anybody or anything. But he showed us something, I think, with that. That there's things in life that no matter how hard we work, there's going to come a point where God's going to command us to wait. That's what the Sabbath is, and it's not a suggestion. He's like, no, 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 I want you to stop doing all of your work. Cease. It means cease and desist. Cease from everything you do Monday through Saturday if you work six days a week like God did. But on the seventh day, you wait. And I think God does more on that day than he does the whole other six. I really do. Isaiah says it like this. If you're tired, if you're st stressed, if you're drinking energy drinks, you've kind of worked out yourself to the point where you're exhausted. Isaiah's seen this day. He said there's going to be a day where even young people, look at this, he energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to the dropouts. Come on, even young people are going to get tired and drop out. 
They're the number one consumers of energy drinks. Isn't that wild? How is that? I mean, it's like, like they're, they're tired. If young people are tired, I wish I could bottle my four-year-old's energy. If I could figure out where it comes from. But he said even young people. Any young people in here tired? Don't raise your hand. Okay. I don't know what constitutes young, but yeah, yeah. I mean, just tired. Just tired. Young folk are going to, in their prime, stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God, look at, look at this, listen to this. They get fresh strength. Come on, somebody. Anybody need some fresh strength? Some fre they get fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. Give them another. They run and they don't grow weary. They, they walk and they don't faint, right? They get fresh strength. We need that. Hey, we need that. And I think there's, there's a real principle here that when we're willing to wait, it's, it's almost like we're, we're, we're exercising our faith sometimes just as much as when we're willing to work for God, if we're willing to wait for God. And we like to work, 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 work because we see results. But when you're waiting, it's like, I don't see nothing happening. I can't see it. It's a bit, but, but there's fresh strength that comes. There's fresh strength that comes when we're willing to wait. And to get to the purpose that God has for your life, this is going to be something you're going to have to walk in. To find the will of God, there's going to be seasons where you feel confused and you don't quite understand, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what I'm supposed to be pursuing? I, I, I don't know. I've struggled with that. David Wilkerson, he, this is one of his quotes, one of the best quotes I've heard about that specifically. He said that the purpose of God, the will of God, it grows on you. That which is of God will fasten itself to you and overpower you and possess your entire being. That which is not of God, right, not, not of his purposes, will die. You'll lose interest or sight of it. But the plan of God will never die for your life. The will of God will never die for your life. The thing God wants you to do, your purpose, will become stronger each day in your thoughts, in your prayers, and in your planning. But I think we just get in such a hurry, it doesn't have time to catch up with us. David, Psalm 23, one of the greatest few six, seven verses ever written in the Bible, at the very last verse, he said, you know, Goodness and mercy was following me all the days of my life. God's will, God's purpose was back there chasing me, but I was in a, in a hurry. Had somewhere to be. Sometimes you're stopping and, you know, Mother Teresa thought that silence, that, that true prayer began in silence. True prayer began when we stopped. Stillness, quiet. And it's from there we enter into faith. And it's from there we enter into good works and, and the love of God and what God has for us. But it's hard to do that sometimes. And so to find my purpose, it's going to require patience. Number two, for all you type A hard workers out there that are getting uncomfortable, I got you, okay? The, the secret of patience, get ready for it, is to do something meaningful in the meantime. And so when God says to, I think in James where he's saying, if you want to see the per perfection of your faith, to be patient, 
He's not saying to go and just sit on your hands for the rest of your life until God scoops you up in a cloud and, and brings you into heaven, right? Like, like I, don't, I don't think that's what he means. I think what he means by being patient is that we're doing the right things while we're waiting. I've been driving out north in the country more than I ever have in the last couple of months, and uh, I like it out there. There's a lot of, um, lot of I, like, I like seeing the farms. I like seeing the, the rows of corn and peanuts. It seems like just cotton and peanuts, but, but, but it's all the crops, and it's just a change of pace, change of place kind of thing. And we've been going out there quite a bit. But what I've noticed, though, is no matter when we go, if it's in the winter, if it's in the fall, if it's in the spring, they're always working. There's always a tractor doing something. They're either plowing or prepping or they're seeding the ground or they're, they're, they're running irrigation. And, and I think what, what he means when James says that to be patient, to wait on God, they that wait on the Lord will, will renew their strength. He's saying, I don't want you just to do nothing, that there's some critical things you can do while you're waiting. Because when a farmer is working, I want you, you got to, when a, when a farmer is working in the winter, he's working in the winter and he's, he's doing things that you do in the winter, but he's waiting on the spring. So he's working and he's working now, but he's waiting on another season. And if he doesn't work in the season he's in, the waiting is not going to happen. And the waiting is going to do no good because he's going to get the spring and there's nothing in the ground. Come on, right? And so while we're waiting, if you're in, a, a, those, if you're in this season where you, 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 just, you feel like God's given you a lesson in, in waiting and patience, and do something meaningful in the meantime. These are the people in the, in the airport that pull out books. Come on, somebody, right? Or in the doctor's office, and they got like a pocket book in their back pocket, and they, they, they're doing something meaningful in the meantime. They're, they're, and when... And when Jesus, he told him in Luke, he said, I want you to go to the upper room. I want you to wait until this power from heaven comes. They weren't just sitting around waiting. There was a few things that they were doing, and we know this in Acts 2. It says that they were in one mind and one accord. They were eating together. They were singing together. They were praying together, and they were reading God's word together. That sounds real simple, I know. But, but the more that we can do that stuff, the more it seeds the clouds. Come on, somebody. And, and when we're in these in-between seasons of, well, I'm not quite doing what I think God's called me to do, and I'm in this season of waiting, do something that's sowing life and sowing hope and sowing... I mean, they weren't just sitting around in the upper room playing board games. If they had Netflix back then, maybe they were. I don't know. Maybe they were... But I read an article, Netflix said their, their number one enemy right now is sleep. That's like that, that. That's they got because it seems like that's the only thing that keeps people from watching Netflix. But uh, they weren't up there watching Netflix. They were working in that season of waiting. They were they were taking care of business. They were to get. I mean, and and they were living life together. They were praying when nothing was happening. They, they were, it says they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. They were reading the Bible, even when they weren't seeing the Bible happening around them. Fifty days. Fifty days. There was, I mean, Jesus resurrected, but, but it's still, they had to have some kind of patience up there. I'm sure they were a little nervous, wondering, like, 
what's about to happen? What's, 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 what, is, what is Jesus about to sin? We don't really know. But until he does, I'm going to be faithful for what I, with what I know to do now. And that's the key to patience. That's the key to patience. It's, it's, it's waiting in the right way. Because I like to wait and worry. <laughs> My wife just fell out right here in the front row. <laughs> I like to wait and get nervous and start running risk analysis to see what the worst case scenario is and then backing it off from there so that I can, you know, be ready to handle the whatever answer is about to evolve from the pits. You know what I mean? Like, like I, get, I just can get in my head too much. And that's not the right, the right way to wait. He says, I don't want you to wait and worry. Luke, in his gospel, he says that they were, they were worshiping. And I found it's really, really hard to worship in the waiting room. It's easy to worship when the, the promise comes. <laughs> it's easy to worship when everybody's a friend and everything's going right. You got plenty of money. You got plenty of good stuff going on. You're high on the hog. Let's do this. I can, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to church, man. God's good. <laughs> but but, but when, 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 you, when you've got more month than money and people are talking about you, and, and, and the, the folks who thought that were going to help you pull this wagon and get this work done, they decided to leave too. When we can worship while we're waiting, I think, what the, I think the key to this is it brings this all back to our original design. Because before I'm a farmer, and before I'm a preacher, and before I'm a dad, and before I'm a husband... God made every person on this planet with one peculiar purpose, the original intent. And I believe it's to worship him. And if you really want to get back to your core purpose and, and what you've been called to do, before you've been called to do whatever it is that you do Monday through Friday and how you pay the bills, you've been called to be a worshiper. And that's what they were doing in the upper room. They were singing songs. They were praising God, right? They thought when, when the day of Pentecost came, they thought they were all drunk. They came out of the upper room, and they're like, man, these guys are drunk. Peter said, no, we're not drunk. It's still early, guys. He's like, uh, th that's what he said. That's exactly what he said. He's like, we, I mean, he said it's still early in the day. They, you know, these men are not drunk, as you suppose, but this is, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the power of God. And, and it was amazing because on the, on the Feast of Pentecost, in Israel, where this happened 2,000 years ago, every nation was represented during that festival, a Roman, a Greek, Everybody from all over the world came. And it's beautiful how when they came out of the upper room and the promise came, everybody heard their own language. It crossed barriers. I mean, to me, it's, it's a picture of heaven. There was no us versus them anymore. I mean, it was, it was all they were with one mind and one accord. And I don't know where the miracle happened. If people just heard their own language or I don't know, but I do know this, that when God's power came down upon that place, there was no hiding it. And it transformed the community. And they weren't up there just like, I mean, they didn't have this secret sauce formula. <laughs> I think if we do what they did, we'll get what they got. 
They were praying. They were together. They were in unity. You know how hard it is to get a church in unity in the 21st century? That's why we've got 15 ump thousand denominations. Because they get, well, I like to worship this way. Well, we're going to go start one down here, and we're going to worship this way. And we're going to worship this way, and we want to do it this way, and I think we should sprinkle, and I think we should dunk, and I think, you know, like, I think we should sing these songs. I like the hymns. I like, you know, 333, I'll fly away, oh glory, and I'm going to go where they sing my song, Pastor, if you won't do it. And, and do you know how hard it is to get a church in unity in the 21st century? That's why Jesus said, if you can just get two or three, I know you're probably not going to get more than 30. If you could just find two or three to get together and say, we want to petition heaven and ask God to come down and make sense of this waiting, he'll show up. And I believe that. And I've seen it happen. Not enough. <laughs> I want to see it happen more. And it normally happens in the in-between. It happens when there's so much pressure in your life that the last thing that you thought you'd ever do is go to that church out there on Pensacola Beach. But you need some answers. The secret to patience, doing something meaningful in the meantime. Joyce Meyer says it like this, patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we behave while we're waiting. He says they were singing together, they were eating together, they were in one mind and one accord. Nobody was talking about each other behind each other's backs. Nobody was going, I mean, they were going out of their way to bring unity. They were going out of their way to lay their life down for their friend, to, to, to serve one another. It sounds a little bit like, I mean, they, they, in the early church, they sold all their possessions. They had everything common. It's crazy. But they weren't just waiting, sitting on their hands. They were, they were doing these simple things that I believe bring big results in our life. And, and, it's, and it doesn't come naturally. You know, sometimes, I mean, I, I, I wake up at 3 in the morning. Normally the craving is not to pray. <laughs> the craving is for Oreos, you know what I'm saying, or, or orange juice or like, you know, like, but it's these spiritual disciplines that when we do them enough over time, especially when we're in seasons of, of, of waiting and, and seasons where we got more time on our hands than we normally have, when we're sowing that good seed, we're sowing it into the clouds. Because eventually God is going to release those things in our life. Even the prayers that Grandma prayed, I believe that. And the prayers that your aunt and uncle and your mom and dad and, and everybody that's been praying for you, that, that God, he says, he, not one of those prayers, he keeps them all. And it's in the waiting periods, oftentimes we got to remind ourselves of that. And here's the last, last principle, I think, that with patience, it's perfected. It's perfected when, when we can trust God in between promises. And whether you realize it or not this morning, you're in between a promise. You're in between a promise. When we don't have a promise out in front of us, when we don't have something hopeful, something in front of us, I mean, everything begins to blur. 
We lose our purpose. We lose it all. Like, 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 like we, if we don't have some way or something to give what we're walking through meaning, even when it's, when it's mountaintops and even when it's valleys, that we're all in between promises. And what I love about the day of Pentecost and what I love about what happened in the upper room is that when the promise fully came, number one, it took time. But the second thing is I believe in this, in when the promise fully comes is when we walk into the purpose God always had for our lives. Because it took, you know, just a few weeks before the guy that was out front preaching to thousands after the day of Pentecost was scared of a little girl and was denying Jesus, saying, I don't know the man. Just a few weeks earlier. And when, the, and when the power fully came, I, I, what it happened is it catapulted him into what he was supposed to do, into his purpose. Was Peter saved? Yeah, he knew Jesus. He could recognize Jesus. If he was here this morning, he could go and sit right next to him. Knew his voice, the color of his hair. And he denied him. Even, even, even one of the disciples crumbled under the pressure for a few moments. Until the upper room. And this power came and this presence came that prepared him for what he was supposed to do. That took this guy that was a little rough around the edges, <laughs> that, didn't, that, that was almost killed a Roman soldier. He wasn't aiming for his ear. Come on, somebody, right? In the garden, he cut his ear off. He was trying to kill the guy. Went from that to denying Jesus to stepping out on the day of Pentecost and preaching a message that thousands of people came to faith. I believe God has that experience and wants to give that experience to every person. That the day of Pentecost is not something that just happened 2,000 years ago that we celebrate just like Good Friday, you're going to have a Good Friday in your life. You're going to have a Good Friday in your life. You're going to have a day, the death of a promise. You're going to have moments. You're going to have a Saturday season in your life where what you thought God said he was going to do, he didn't do, and he's not showing up. And then you're going to have Sunday seasons in your life where, you know, things make sense and God redeems all the pain, right? And he redeems all of the, that Good Friday. But then you're going to get to a point where... You want a deeper experience. Because I believe that God wants to encounter every person. It's more than just words. It's more than just learning the Bible. That's why we called this church Upper Room. I know it was on the third floor of a marina. A lot of things, oh, what? Upper Room, oh, cool, you're above a surf shop. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's where we started out. But Acts chapter 2 and the experience that happened and those 120 that were gathered there, it changed the world. And that same power is still available to us. Now, I am quite a skeptic, okay? So I'll just say that. And when I first became a Christian, I, I became a Christian in, in a church that was Pentecostal. Yeah, there's a Pentecostal church that, that, you know, and I thought that meant that the women didn't cut their hair. And they all wore skirts, right? 
And the guys wore suit and ties. I didn't own a suit and tie. I walked into that church. I'll never forget. I was in sandals, board shorts, nice eyebrow ring. Every dude in there was in a suit and tie that I could see. Like, I mean, it, it, it was just, just, but it was like, felt like I was at a rock concert. You know what I mean? I thought, no, but it, I just loved it. It was all, I mean, I thought I didn't understand it. But I kept going back. I was raised Catholic. But where I became like this, this, this new journey in my life started there. It started there. And this church that I was a part of, it, it, was, it changed my life. I found family there. I found, I mean, so much just direction and calling in my life came from there. And it was nothing that I'd ever experienced. People were, you know, like a little weird, okay? I just, you know, I, thought, I felt like I, I just didn't fit in. I felt it was really hard for me to fit in. But I kept going back because there was something there. And they preached every week on Pentecost. They preached every week, I mean, on the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they talked about heavenly language and speaking in your heavenly language. And most people did, like, all at the same time. And that confused me. I'll just be honest with you. I didn't understand it because I'm kind of a skeptic. My, my, I'm, a, I'm an investigator. And so for, for me, it took a f full year of asking God, like, I want to experience this. If it's real, I want it. And the preacher used to always say, you know, you don't need the Holy Spirit to get into heaven, but you better have them to get there. <laughs> Why did God send the Holy Spirit? To convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And when that power comes, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to give you the power to overcome the sin you've been fighting in your life. That's what happened to me. He's going to give you the power to drop stuff that's been on your life for, for years. Righteousness. He's going to turn you and put you on the path that you need to go. He's going to help you, to, you know, show you what's right and wrong. Like, like you can't have a pocket preacher with you all the time, right? Like, what are you, what are you going to do? Well, we've got this, the Holy Spirit. He says, Jesus said he's going to teach you all things, not just church things. On the job, he's going to help you lead that company. He's going to help you lead the family that you're leading right now. He's going to help you get to where you need to go. And it's not weird, it's not spooky, it's what Jesus gave us in order to live a victorious life on this side of eternity. And we need it. We need him, we need this power, and, and it's not just reserved for church, it's for every day. And when they came out of that upper room, they came out different people. They went in kind of running and scared for their life. They came out bold. Bold. And I think that gift is still for every person today. And I want to do this. I want us just to, I want us to stand together. Because sometimes it just takes a little patience. Sometimes it takes a little bit of waiting. A verse that's brought me a lot of strength lately, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good 
to those that love God, those that are called according to his purpose. And and Paul said it like we should already know it. He said, and we know. (laughs) But I think the key to that verse is two verses earlier. How do we know that all things work together for good? Listen to what he says. This, that is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a, pred- a pregnant mother. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Look at this. We do not know what we should pray, verse 26, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through worldless groans. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts, he knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And then we know all things work together for good. And there are some things that God will show you in these waiting seasons of your life that are going to help you connect the dots. And that's one of the, I think, the Holy Spirit, he's a gentleman. He speaks to us. And he speaks through people, and he speaks through messages and songs. But, but it's the Spirit of God that helps us make sense of life when it just gets crazy. And we don't understand any good that's coming out of our situation. The Holy Spirit says, just let me speak. I'll show you. So that's what I want to do. I want you to just bow your heads and we're going to go to God. And Father, we believe that your spirit is moving even in this moment now, God. And we thank you for Pentecost Sunday. We thank you for the day where the church was birthed and the power of God came. And Lord, we ask for that same power and that same presence in our everyday life. We believe that if you gave it to them, Lord, that we can receive it as well. And if there's anybody here that's just in an in-between season of life, you're in the waiting room, waiting on that promise, waiting on that purpose, you're in between trying to make sense. Just ask the Holy Spirit right now to speak to you. Just that simple, Lord, speak to me. God, help me, help me to hear your voice, Lord. Like the, on the day of Pentecost, they knew, they knew that experience happened and they knew that God had showed up in their lives. Lord, let us have that experience, God, that, that blessed assurance, that convincing in our life that this faith is not made up, that, this, that it's this faith that we're walking in that's going to get us exactly to where we need to go. Walking hand in hand with you, Lord, we just thank you. And we receive that today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.